0: Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel pastoral letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. Before we get started, if you like what you hear and you want to help us be part of this movement to unleash the gospel, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with your family and friends. And while you're at it, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. On Open Door Policy, this time we hear from Deacon Drew Maybe, a man preparing for the priesthood who loved motocross as a child and found Christ while he was in college.
1: Hey, Father Steve! Hey, Daniel. How are you today? I'm
0: great. How are you doing?
1: So, also so great. Did you have any recent graces in your life?
0: Yeah, you know, I have a lot of graces. I love, love, love the summertime. Okay. So the fact that we're in summer is a huge grace for me. And uh, I guess one of the particular graces of summer is work slows down a little bit and the days are longer. I get to spend more time outside and be with family and friends. And uh,
1: yeah, just love loving friends, the summer. We got a new friend here. Hey, Deacon Drew. Hey, Deacon. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the Open Door Policy Podcast Studio.
2: Thank you. Yeah, no, it's good to be with you both.
1: Um, Are you ready for rapid-fire questions?
2: I suppose, yeah.
1: Okay, first one. What is your most used emoji?
2: I actually tend to use uh, the one, you know, the one with the glasses and kind of like the, I don't know if you say buck teeth or kind (laughs) of like (laughs) the silly grin. I use that one a fair bit, so we'll say that one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, what would be your walk-up music?
2: Oh, man, probably... Gregory Allen Isakoff
1: okay uh, <laughs> this is gonna be strange <laughs> that's great though
2: remember when our songs were just like
0: prayers Deacon Drew what's your favorite piece of religious art
2: What's the guy? I'm not um, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the one that has light and darkness? I can't even think of his name right now. Uh, Caravaggio. Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Caravaggio has this image uh, I have in my room, actually, of Thomas putting his hand into Jesus. I have yes. many, many, many more than that. But, but you love that one. I do love that one, amongst yes. many others. So. Awesome.
0: What do you think is overrated?
2: Overrated. I think the whole... This might sound kind of crazy because we're, we're doing like, social media stuff, but I think the massive amount of like electronic kind of have-to-be-on-everything yeah. kind of thing. I think that's just a bit overrated, personally.
1: Okay. What literary character would you want to be your friend?
2: Yeah, is there any like favorite story? I'm reading Brothers K right now with my bro, and, uh, you know, I suppose the literary character, I don't know if you'd call him quite a literary character, though he's in a piece of literature, so he'd be a character, Yeah. is the, uh, I can't think of his name, but the monk confessor hmm. at the monastery. And the Staritz. What is his name?
0: Father's Awesome the Elder, from the novel, The Brothers K, a high church authority, boundless in wisdom. He was considered a living saint.
2: Anyways, I'd love to be friends with him. He's, a, he's like a, just a gentle, compassionate confessor, yeah. and like a lot of deep, profound insight into the mystery of our humanity. So I would love to uh, kind of roll with that guy. Amongst many others, but yeah, that's like the most current one that I'm kind of sitting with right now. So
1: Love it. What's your favorite hymn?
2: What Wondrous Love Is This?
1: Ah, what season would you be?
2: Fall. Deacon Drew, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? I think it's Charles Pigee that has this line, you know, the only tragedy in life is to not have been a saint. Yeah. Hmm. I heard that in RCIA from Father John, and I thought that was just like, that struck me many years back, and it still strikes me to this day.
0: Great. What is your favorite Bible story?
2: I heard the prodigal son millions Dang. of times, mm-hmm. but just giving, my own, just giving my own life, yeah, when it, when it was pitched to me in a very particular way in college, it just has struck me profoundly. So.
0: And lastly, what non-traditional pet would you want to have? I wouldn't mind having a chimp.
1: <laughs> like a chimpanzee?
2: Yeah. Cool. <laughs> a chimpanzee, yeah.
1: Just went to the zoo this weekend. So, let's go back over a little bit of these.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: This past week.
2: This past week, yeah.
1: Side wound of Thomas, Sacred Heart of Jesus.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Is that yeah. why you
1: love it so much, or is there another reason you really like that Caravaggio piece?
2: I, I do like it, I think, because it... So, when I came into the church, actually, I remember reading that passage as I was kind of journeying through... I think it was like right before RCIA, and... uh it was just kind of another like pivotal moment of me like knowing that the Lord had sh- kind of revealed His Church to me, and me having some of my own hangups and fears and anxieties. And I felt like as so I was praying with that passage one day in a very particular way, like as Thomas is invited to stick his hand in Jesus's side, that was like the moment that I felt like He just kind of said like, "Hey, come and you know come and come and actually taste of this." So that was actually like right before I joined RCIA. But I think in the actual painting that. Uh, struck me the most in that kind of image is just like Jesus's flesh that's actually kind of wrinkled, as you can see, is Thomas's hand going in it, and it, it just evokes opened, in me
0: how open the wound is there.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and it evokes a certain sense of like, like these these encounters that happen in Scripture are remarkably like profound, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it's very easy, like with the Prodigal Son. I mean, how many millions of times do we hear these things, and yet if you actually like sit with them again. In a, in a very kind of, you could say, docile or just kind of open um, disposition. No matter what is going, different seasons of your life, like the Lord will really minister to you through them, as we all know. And I just feel like again and again and again, that, that whole image of, of particularly the hand actually touching Jesus' flesh and going in the side really strikes me. It always evokes in me a certain sense of the Lord saying, like, just take courage and let me kind of thank you you? your life on me.
0: Do you remember hearing the uh, story of the prodigal son when you were a kid or when you were younger? Ooh.
2: So when I was younger, I don't actually, <laughs> I wasn't okay. really rolling with the church or the yeah. Lord then we were kind of Lutheran, but I remember hearing it actually probably in college a number of times and was always struck by like, okay, like I'm probably the prodigal son in a lot of ways. And it was always moved by it. There was a song actually when I was in college that this uh, kind of wacky, awesome guy who's uh, now Catholic, he was Baptist at the time, wrote about the prodigal son, and that always kind of struck me. But in RCIA, the way it was pitched to us, I remember, was just like a new kind of revelation of not so much just the son returning to the father, but as probably you both have heard, this great like kind of profound look into the father that really yeah. struck me in a new way, I think, which really gripped my life and helped me to kind of come to know the father uh, in a way that I just hadn't at the time. And this was, I don't know, mid-college or late college, I guess, post-college. Probably post college when this happened. So, oh. yeah, yeah, right after, like one literally more question. the year after. Yeah, yeah. How would
1: you decide to read the Brothers K? That is a that is a big yeah. jump. Yeah.
2: So I got to say that like I used to not really read a whole lot of books growing up. So I used to ride dirt bikes and read Cliff Notes. Is what I used to kind of say. <laughs> so, so I've kind of like started reading like when I started to meet the Lord in college. But the Brothers K has been one long time on my list. And this dear great guy Phil Breimer, who used to be a sem. He lent yeah. it to me. I never gave it back to him, unfortunately. I, I meant to, but he just moved out before I was able to. And this gracious, awesome nun that my brother and I know, there's a whole group of sisters they are Byzantine over by Cleveland, uh, she's got some Russian roots, and she's like, you know, I've been really wanting to go through Brothers K. We were visiting all of them in Christmas, and we're like, yeah, we should. we've been kind of wanting to read it. Zach's already read it. And I'm like, I've never even read it. I've been kind of meaning to, so why don't we all do it as a book club? So we meet like once a month online and chat it out. And That's awesome. I'm usually behind and kind hey, of yeah. out in the clouds, but... It's well, good anyway. so...
0: Well, Phil, if you're listening, uh, reach out to us.
2: We'll help you get your book back. Yes, Phil. <laughs> Great. I'd like to hear from you anyways, Phil, so...
0: <laughs> Thanks, Deacon. Uh, Deacon Drew, we'd love to hear about, like, how you entered into relationship with the Lord, what, what your story was and is about kind of living in that relationship with Jesus.
2: Sure. Yeah, so I uh, was baptized in the Lutheran... Ecclesial reality, if you will. (laughs) Ecclesial reality. reality. Sorry, I don't know. The Lutheran denomination. I was in a Lutheran setting back in uh, the good old uh, great state of Georgia.
1: Dang, a Southerner.
2: Yeah. So this was like when I would have been 10, I believe. Okay. And uh, we grew up, yeah, kind of classic uh, American, maybe Christian kind of setting. You know, we prayed before meals, believed in God. Parents were really kind of committed, devoted, kind of just good folks. And, yeah. But never really, like, I wouldn't say the gospel was anything, like, central to our kind of upbringing, or at least in an explicit way. And, like, so I, I remember being in Catholic school, because we went to Catholic school. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I was being in Catholic. That's why I was in Catholic school. <laughs> but you weren't but Catholic I, at I, But at I the wasn't time. Catholic at yeah. the time. So I remember being in Catholic school, maybe, like, late grade school, head into middle school, and, like, seeing the crucifix... And knowing this is, like, pretty fundamental to the whole reason why we're here and this is important. remember going through religion class. remember always feeling as I went through those years, like, these people, like, kind of have it all together, and I probably don't. So I don't know if I'm, like, all that, like, mm-hmm. ever going to really, like, feel comfortable in this crowd, even though I was only, like, in middle school. So I wasn't, like, you know, robbing stores or something. Just didn't give you the right impression <laughs> here. But... um yeah, so fast forward, go through this kind of just very nominal kind of practice of things, and I uh, got into high school. I got an older brother. He's three years older, and he starts getting to late high school, starts to have a bit of a conversion. Uh, grew up really passionate about dirt bikes and anything with two wheels, and was really into motocross, and was a little like skater punk guy in grade school. Used to like kind of rebel by wearing my skate shoes to Catholic school. Uh, were they, uh, were they Heelys? No, they were actually. Uh, I wore Vans, I wore Etnies, and um, Americas. And okay. So, and I, I think I had a pair of DCs too. This is way too much about me already.
1: Dang, anyways, no, this is good. Uh,
2: Keep it so, out. yeah, so rolled into high school, went to a year of Catholic high school, uh, then to public school, was like really deep into motocross. We kind of fizzled out of practicing a Lutheran, at a Lutheran kind of congregation. We had done a little bit of that in grade school and in the middle school, then kind of fizzled out because we had moved. And so my brother's having a bit of this conversion. I'm really entrenched in the motocross world. And um, I remember, like, by senior year, I had kind of—my life was, in a lot of ways, kind of far away from God and had a lot of—my um, my, my, dead-set hope was, like, if I can just kind of, like, get into motocross more, move on to California and, like, hang out in SoCal in my van and ride dirt bikes every day, like, work in the motocross scene, like— this That's is basically be great. also
1: my dream. Just kidding. <laughs> just
2: kidding. <laughs> so yeah. So I, that didn't. And I never moved out to California, and uh, my bro ended up having this kind of much deeper conversion. Started reaching out to me. A whole host of people had been reaching out to me, and I uh, ended up breaking my leg really bad. And then I remember thinking, like, for some reason, right before that happened, I'm reading these stories. You can die really quick because if you break your femur, you can like die of blood loss really quick. Wow. So I just cried out to God because my femur was clearly broken, and I wow. was like. Would love to kind of meet you if you get me through this, and uh, it was a little more prayerful than that, but... <laughs> um, but not
0: much more prayerful? It was, yeah, it
2: was... I mean, it was... A, those were different days, you know? So I was like, Lord, just... Re- if you get me through this, just reveal yourself to me. I think I want to, like... Okay. I don't know why I'm alive. That's basically kind of what mm-hmm. I said. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he got me through, and I started... My brother had been part of this campus ministry, he started reaching out to me, and eventually that kind of, like, led me to kind of come around that scene a bit, and then go to a non-denominational church for year and a half or so, transferred to Eastern Michigan, got hooked up with some Pentecostal brethren, and uh, started to hear the gospel pretty clearly, at least the basic kind of presentation of the cross and resurrection mm-hmm. of Jesus, and that I could actually be forgiven of my sins, and that kind of rocked my world. And so uh, eventually got hooked up in this campus ministry that my brother had been a part of.
0: Is this at uh, Eastern? Eastern Michigan. At Eastern, okay.
2: Yeah, I just started to kind of live this kind of more orderly life of discipleship, and moved into a Christian guy's household was like six dudes living in a house we rented, and it was an awesome time. We pray morning prayer together, have dinner a couple times a week, and then we just much just live normally and have like just kind of good. Like, we weren't like, I don't we weren't weird. I don't know, maybe we yeah. were weird. I just no, didn't realize I mean, it.
0: That, that's a huge component. Or we of tried it, not right? to be
2: weird, we probably the, were weird to some degree, but you know but what but I mean. To you,
0: these were guys you could relate with, guys totally. who, who like you enjoyed being around, challenged you, and had the same values and goals about life,
2: right? Yeah, and I, I, would think they, I, I would say that there was a certain kind of just honesty and, like, kind of down-to-earthness about it. Like, yeah. there wasn't, like, we knew, we knew we were going towards the Lord, and we knew that, like, life was filled with all sorts of challenges, trials, struggles in the Christian life, when I say that. Right. And so these guys were just kind of really trying to live it. So it wasn't like there was no kind of, like, super—well, I'm sure there was— we're fallen people, but we were trying to not make it superficial, you know. And so, and we also just wanted to have like this good, kind of wholesome, like we want to be able to celebrate, like throw a good party, you know, and do these things that mm-hmm. that were still fun, you know. We had good beer, and we like hung out on the porch, and we smoked cigars, and we like we got we all got skate shoes one time together online because that was like a household thing to do. And
0: uh, <laughs> I feel like you're the one who made it. Out I, have, I might have I might have like kind of yeah.
2: coerced them into that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, Encouraged uh, it. Yeah, we all ordered together, and it was. Like, little things like that, you know, like, were ways to bond. I remember people would come over for dinner, and we'd, like, share the faith with yeah. them at times, you know, and share the Lord with them. So it's was just, just awesome kind of space to live in, and that really deepened me in my commitment to Jesus and just wanting to kind of, like, press into Him more. Um, and so then, long story short, that year kind of formed me. I was in UCO. I went on a mission trip to Mexico the same time, had, you know, kind of started to read my way in the Catholic Church, and... Uh, what, what were you reading? I was just kind of at the time I was becoming a very catholic protestant you could say and so I was like starting to kind of see this reality of the sacraments and the liturgy and like how necessary this was for me to deepen my own spiritual life and
0: But are you reading like church fathers yeah, so the catechism at the time it was like Scott I, Hahn. it started
2: with the lutheran catechism okay and that led me to kind of like checking out just i would say like some excerpts from the fathers and then okay. some i read rome sweet home By by uh, Scott Hahn. By Scott Hahn, yes, thank you. And uh, some who's the guy from Ann Arbor? I should know his name. Steve Ray. Steve Ray. Yep. Steve Ray,
0: Catholic speaker, author, and pilgrimage guide. He lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan.
2: This kind of led to me talking to another buddy who was Catholic who loved the Lord really deeply more than I did, and I was like, this guy really loves Jesus, and he's not like... And he's Catholic. (laughs) Right. uh, Whoa. Yeah, (laughs) radical. And uh, so we went out for beers, and just kind of would talk this out, and uh, he took me to adoration before I even knew that I was like, is this really you, Lord? Wow. And I think it is, you know? I was, Yeah. And that started to have a huge effect on me. So we were just sitting in the chapel for a couple hours and just saying, Lord, I think this is really you. Like, I kind of already believe that I think this is the Lord, you wow. know? Wow. We, we believed as Lutherans, you know, there's some sort of all real right. presence at, the, at that time, but without going all the way into the Catholic kind of understanding. Right. And I was getting to this point in my life where I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, like everything I've was kind of thrown up against the church, like has been answered. I'm starting to get a little scared. We were reading on a retreat the where Jesus hands the keys to Peter and just being convicted is all heck. When I read that, it's just like, it's no more like a question of if I enter the church, but when, hmm. and I really want it. I think I don't have anything. Reason that's... and there's nothing that's stopping me. Every question I had so far, you've answered.
0: But when did you become Catholic?
2: Easter of 2012. I came into full communion with the Church by the grace of God, and uh,
0: you were confirmed.
2: Home. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. And and now
0: you're a transitional deacon. Yeah. Uh,
2: so 2012
0: uh, <laughs> became Catholic. When did you enter uh, seminary?
2: Seminary was like fall of 14. Wow. Okay. Think, yeah. Was it,
1: were you thinking about um, ministry before?
2: Yeah, so you know, there's a lot of details of the story that yeah, would probably be helpful. Of that year started to unfold, and I was like, Lord, I think like you're starting to fulfill me and satisfy me in a way that I just never would have imagined. And this invitation, to, like, I just want to give everything to you mm-hmm. because you've been so merciful to me, and like you've really set me free in a way that I could not even begin to explain. And um, so, yeah, that kind of provoked me. So I was already kind of considering that way of life before I entered the church, um, and when I came in to RCIA, I was just, I was taken by the sacraments. I was particularly taken by confession and um, mass and particularly just the role of the priest making known the father, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just started having these desires welcoming me like, Lord, I just want to be, I think I kind of want to be a priest. I don't even know if that's, I'm not even Catholic yet, kind of, but I started having these thoughts and these things come to me in prayer. Mm. And so anyways, that's kind of, it was brewing a bit before, but you know, that's, I eventually kind of bit the bullet, you know, and. Jumped in, yeah. So and here you are. So you have a brother who's a priest. I have a brother who's a priest who's yeah. ordained in two
0: thousand yeah. And now you're uh, you were ordained a transitional deacon in May.
2: I, in April. April of yes. twenty nineteen. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Thanks, thanks for sharing your story with us, Deacon.
2: My honor.
1: Hey, friends. Let's jump in. Let's get a little bit intense. Let's jump into Marker 6.1 going out. Unleash the Gospel letter. You guys ready?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay. Like, let's talk about it because I think that this this one is a little bit where the rubber meets the road. Hmm. You know, like, we can talk a lot, but all of us get places where it's like, wow, now is when this is tricky. So yeah. Unleash the Gospel talking a little bit about leaving the walls of our church. Where it is safe, where people say the right things, and probably have their prayers memorized, right? And then we go maybe, out. Yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe sometimes. Yeah. And then we go out. Um, and Deacon Drew, you're you're really good at this.
2: There's a there's a certain sense when you go out into the world that we can say even a lot of good Christian things. You know, we can give them like the four spiritual laws, and those are all great things. Don't get me wrong. But like, I th- I think it strikes me at least. This is just my own opinion that. Most people you encounter are, like, really, they want to see something sincere. They want you to actually see them. They want you to be willing to, like, enter into their suffering with them, to listen to them, to be with them. Mm-hmm. There's a certain way in which, like, there's a certain, like, you, you just kind of be relational and kind of human with people before mm-hmm. you can even kind of get into anything that's, like, like I, it's it wasn't like I walked up to him with a pamphlet or, like, said, hey, brother, like, do you know the gospel? You know, as great as that can be, I, I think there's a time for that. But there's a way in which, like, I think much of this is, like, Hey, who do I know? Like, who am I standing next to? You know, in these lines, like, I really want to get to know you. You know, before I even like, before I even feel like I've I've reverenced your human dignity enough to kind of give you something. Yeah. Um, not that you have to like listen to him for you know four weeks or something before you can say anything spiritual. That's not what I'm saying. But there's a certain way well, in which. Well,
0: there's an art to it, right? There's a the relational part that's not about like a flow chart of science or sure. of engineering, mm-hmm. like, you know, if yes, go here, if yep. no, go here. <laughs> but there's the relationship piece <sighs> that says. <laughs> yeah, that, so
1: true. That, yeah.
0: Like, I, um, you know, there's there's something in you that I want to see, I want to get to know, and I know the Lord wants to do something there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that is so key, you know, this says the new evangelization cannot be accomplished from within the walls of our churches. Sure.
1: So accurate. Yeah. And so tricky too and so messy because that's when that's when like answers stop being there. You know, like how do you best love someone? That's that's something that Julia, my friend Julia and I talk to each other about a lot. Like sure. Cause sometimes you get in situations you're like, How do you address this person? How do you address the lifestyle decisions that they're making? You know, sure. in love. How do you best love? That's kind of what it boils down to.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it starts with the way we live. Um, just our own kind of being sold out for the Lord. not in, I like how you said, like, not in a weird way, in yeah, a yeah, way that's yeah. off-putting, but, like, Jesus is really clearly the center of my life. Yeah, yeah. And so that when I enter into, like, even like really ordinary or superficial relationships, like I bring that core with me, sure. and, and I love that person out of that core, even if it's not like the first conversation is like, let me tell you about my friend Jesus, right? sure. <laughs> um, but, but it comes from a place of like, the reason I want to hear your story, the reason I want to take two hours and, and sit down and talk with you is because Christ loves me and he calls me to love others the way
2: he loved me. Sure. Amen. There's this something too I think just like we have a professor here who mentioned this last semester to us in like I think it was pastoral counseling but he was just saying in the church you know we should we should bring because as we come to know Jesus more we should become more human we should become more fully alive right and so there's this way in which we should bring this kind of not like it's not like a forced presence mm-hmm. it's a like kind of a natural presence like hey like I like I am kind of like I'm in love with God and I'm like really like alive and I'm not like yeah. I'm not trying to do this so you can see it. Like, I just, I love God and I'm, I want to love him more. And I want like, I've found the one who like shows me the whole reason of my existence and and who I have existence. And I would love to, and because of that, I like, I love you too. And not like in a distant or not like in a, again, kind of a superficial way, but like, I really want what's like, I kind of want to get to know you. I want to see like what your life's about. And, um, yeah, so I, I just, it, it strikes me that, yeah, you, you know, Father, you mentioned like it, it isn't this kind of um, surface level reality, you know? Yeah. It, it's it's often, we should, it, it's almost like we, as as the salt of the earth, we should be kind of like, we should be salty. We should be, we should bring, I think, flavor to like, to life. People mm-hmm. should see my life and say, oh my gosh, like you, you kind of get something that I'm just not getting. Like you see what's good and true and beautiful in the world and and you're able to kind of like you're, you're living this divine life. Like, it's in you, and I can kind of just experience it when I'm with you, you know, in a certain way.
0: Yeah, I heard one person explain, like, life with Christ is like seeing things in full color, and life without Christ is like seeing them in black and white, right, or two-dimensional. Sure. Um, and you just see kind of a new depth to it, a new, like, the person suffering isn't just an inconvenience in my life or an inconvenience on the periphery of my life, but they really become someone that I'm interested in and I care about. And I think you do this really well, Danielle. I think you have, a, you have a real gift this, for yeah. that.
1: Father Steve, thanks a mil.
0: I mean, how, how do you think about that? Because you have, I think we've talked about it a couple of times, like you are not someone who is like spending every moment of your day with people who are always found within the church.
1: I wish I was better at that. And it's, it's interesting because I just, I just had an instance that we were talking about before we started recording where I'm a part of this community and someone online in this online, like the online portion of the community that also exists in real life kind of made a dig against the church. And I, I kind of gently went in and was like, hey, respectfully, like this this comment is hurtful. And they responded with this long comment and they were like, I don't really care. I'm right and you're wrong, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I was like, Dang it. So, it like it's funny cuz you're saying these things but I'm also like, well, where the rubber meets the road, it's a lot harder in real life. But um do,
0: do you think part of going out is enduring that?
1: Yeah, right. Like is <laughs> that like a uh, dad Jesus question directed no, I mean, at my heart? Okay. Because,
0: you know, uh, I mean, I don't want to be too kind of like oh poor me, but I so I don't mean it this way, but like I wear my clerics pretty much all the time and certainly every time I travel. Which is just
1: right in case someone doesn't know what that means. What, yeah, so the clothes that make
0: me look like a priest. The like black, a black shirt, shirt with the little white mm-hmm. white plastic collar thing. Um and you know, there's lots of good that comes from that, but there's a lot of like dirty looks and yeah. people who don't like it. And I think part of being out there is like in some small passive way even engaging people who who feel that way and think that way and just kind of letting them, just receiving that from them, right? Yeah. Letting them know that, like, I'm not afraid of that. Right. I'm not afraid of whatever, whether it's a wound or a hurt they've experienced or whether it's a kind of a, a prejudice that mm-hmm. they've allowed to creep in. Like, hey, hey that's okay. Part of imitating Christ or, or wanting to bring Christ into the world is being able to, receive that rejection with love
1: kind of like the two standards of Saint Ignatius of Loyola (laughs) (laughs) but you can pick what do you want do you want uh do you want poverty insults and humility that's like what Jesus offers and you're like I guess (laughs) what's
0: behind door number two
1: (laughs) no door number two is like like pride vainglory riches wealth Fame, but then also, like, Satan steals your soul, so it's like, eh, in the end, yeah. I'd rather just have a heart right, of Jesus. Fine. It's cool.
0: So let's talk about how we how we do that, right? Like, it's yeah. messy, it's hard. Sure. Um, what I hear you saying, Deacon, is, like, just listening to people, receiving them where they are, and being willing to invest time in them.
2: Yeah, and I think, Father, you, Father, you brought up a good point, and so you were just a second ago, Danielle. Like, the whole visibility of the church, like, I've been struck mm-hmm. in my lowliness as a Deacon of, like, even just wearing the collar... People have commented many times like, oh, I didn't know you guys were still around, you know, or like, (laughs) there's just a certain sense of like, not that you have to wear the collar, but like, hey, like, you're just out praying your rosary and walking. Like, there's a certain, like, you don't have to do anything radical. Like, you don't have to wear a big shirt that just says like, hey, come talk to me about Jesus. Oh, that'd be great if you want to do that. Yeah. But like, you just kind of of, like go go into, it seems to me like that's the whole point of the new evangelization is like to to actually go out and kind of be the leaven in the world. Not that we put on stuff necessarily certainly put on good stuff at the parish but like just go out and like uh, you're a cook at a diner like be don't be afraid to just kind of like take a break and go pray and like be willing to be real with people and talk and like ask deeper questions you know and like Mm -hmm. love people and provoke them and i think the visible just the visibility of the church in the world is key to like just provoking people people that are like super far away from god that maybe hate the church well at least at least in my experience will talk to you and say like Hey like I don't believe anything you believe in but like I'm a little struck that you'd actually want to do that with your life or yeah. I'm a little struck that like why would you want to have 8 kids that just seems mind-boggling to me
1: Do you have any um any like experiences of that like you being out in clerics like what's sure your most surprising thing that you were like wow didn't ex- didn't see it coming but okay Yeah
0: I mean sometimes people ask really weird questions, right? Sure. So, like... Do
1: you worship Mary? No,
0: but more about celibacy and chastity. Oh, like, wow. sure, <laughs> they'll want to talk about my my personal life with that. Sure. Which, which I've gotten more okay with, right? Like, mm. finding the right boundary, but also being really open about that. Sure. Yeah. You know, when I was discerning uh, priesthood, that was a huge question for so many of my friends. Like, you know what that means, right? Yeah. Like, no, wait, wait, didn't wait, wait. I read the Bible really?
1: every Sunday? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> right.
0: But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I love it. It feels like um, when I get to wear my clerics, and and we should we'll talk a little bit about the role of the laity and all this. Absolutely, yeah. But just wearing wearing clerics in public is a chance for people to know that I am. um, I want to be Christ in the world. I think the clerics are a sign of Jesus. They're meant to be that sign that Christ is in the world, and He wants to uh, bring you. Like, he wants to be wherever you are. Uh, so for me, that's happened when I'm traveling, when I'm at the grocery store. Um, that's happened just kind of uh, walking around. You know, I work downtown Detroit, so if I'm going to lunch or if I'm just Dude, walking someone around. someone actually
1: just sent me a picture of you and said, look at this priest, unleash the gospel. And you were, like, walking down the street. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I might know who said that, but okay. I don't know. Um but I want to talk about like the role of the laity in sure, this too, sure. um, because there are not every person listening to this can throw on a clerical absolutely. shirt, absolutely, or should. I could not just kidding, shirt, right? <laughs> no, that would be a Could and should mistake. are different. Yeah, but you know, I think about um, you know these little signs of praying a rosary or yeah. praying in a restaurant before mm-hmm. a meal or inviting a neighbor in your fam in, uh, in your neighborhood to, you know. Seeing them sitting on their porch and going over and talking with them, and yeah, yeah. you know, uh, just inviting people either to prayer, to uh, to conversations about things, or just sharing a little bit of the joy in your life that comes from your relationship with Jesus. I mean, all of us have opportunities to do that if we have the heart of Christ to say, "My faith isn't meant to be just in the walls of the church."
2: Yeah,
1: Deacon Drew, is there anything? that you would like to tell our listeners?
2: Yeah, I think no matter, well, first of all, no matter where you are, Jesus is Lord, and he's like in this with you, especially when we talk about going out. Like, let let the places where you've been redeemed, like let the, the places where the Lord's ministered to you become these, like, places that you minister out of, you know? Mm-hmm. So we don't just believe that Jesus merely just pardons us from our sins. We believe in a gospel that can actually make a person new again.
0: With power. With
2: power, yeah. yeah. Like, they can turn a murderer into a saint, and for real. Like, that's really real. Otherwise, we might as well all go home because, like, right. the is not there. But we, we believe in the gospel, and that's the reality of it. So, like, to live with a certain sense of hope and conviction in Jesus and in the church because they can't be separated. If we should be anything in the world, it's like we should be making the world more human, bringing the fire of the gospel and helping them, like, come alive again in Jesus.
1: Thank you so much, Deacon Drew. We've had a great time with you. This
2: is awesome. Thank you guys very much, and uh, the Lord reigns forever.
0: I'm always edified to sit down with Deacon Drew and hear about his relationship with the Lord and how much he doesn't love social media.
1: And once again, before we say goodbye, if you liked this episode... Please share it with your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, your Trader Joe Cashier. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is at Open Door Detroit. Help us unleash the gospel. Open Door Policy was produced by Ron Pangborn and the creative team of the Archdiocese of Detroit.
0: Are you ready to run and roll? It's like rock and roll. I know,
1: I understood the joke.
0: I'm Father Steve Pullis with Danielle Center.
1: This has been another episode of Open Door Policy.